Hello and welcome to another episode of SideQuest. I'm your host, Brendan. This week, I talked to Gabe Gerwin. Gabe Gerwin is a video game journalist with over 10 years covering the gaming industry. The focus of our conversation is how playing games early for review is a lot like sharing video game tips and secrets on the playground as a kid. We specifically focus on Sekiro and the Dark Souls series, which are some of the best examples of that sort of community-based discovery in gaming today. Before we get to the interview, I just want to say thanks to our supporters. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be able to make all these shows on the PNB network. If you're not a supporter, head over to patreon.com pnb. All Patreon subscribers get full access to the premium SideQuest interviews. This week's full episode includes some lengthy discussion on our favorite surprises in Sekiro, as well as our thoughts on the contentious topic of an easy mode in From Software's games. It was a super fun conversation, so definitely subscribe to hear it in full, and all of the full premium episodes now and in the future. All right, without further ado, here's SideQuest All Around the Water Cooler with Gabe Gerwin. Gabe Gerwin, welcome to Grind Forever SideQuest. How you doing, man? Good, good. It's been a pretty long day, but it was uh, 7-11 today, so I got a free Slurpee, so I'm doing well. Oh, I knew I was forgetting to do something. Not to totally date us, but yeah, that's that was today. Darn. What uh, what flavor did you get? I got blue raspberry. I'm, I'm sad that they got rid of the Mr. Mime juice after uh, <laughs> Pikachu left theaters, but it's a close second. So... Did you see the most recent episode of, or the most season, recent season of Stranger Things? No, I, I've never really, like, like that, that's never really been my thing, but I, everyone around me keeps talking about it. Gotcha. Well, there's a really, there's a really good character this season who's pretty obsessed with 7-Eleven Slurpees. That's why I oh, I just saw a picture of it, actually. Yeah, okay, okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, Gabe, for the people, for the listeners who may not be familiar with your work and where you can find you on the internet. Uh, give us a little bit of a bio. Who even am Gabe Gerwin? Yeah, so um, I've been a game journalist, critic, writer, whatever you want to call it, for uh, almost nine years at this point. So I started off doing uh, written video reviews and guides and stuff at uh, Classic Game Room, um, which is now sort of uh, a shell of what it once was. It's really small. But uh, from there, I... Uh, did some work for some local uh, places in college, and then eventually branched into freelance writing. Um, the main place that I've written for for the last uh, four plus years is digitaltrends.com. I've also written for IGN, uh, for Lifehacker, for Upload VR, for VR Fitness Insider, uh, for Invent Global, and uh, yeah, so that's that's sort of in my story. I've been doing this full time now for uh, about three years, and and before then it was just sort of. Uh, a fun thing to do instead of flipping burgers while I was in high school and college. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. I'm. I I have a similar like trajectory in the kind of gaming and tech freelance or reviewer critic space. And the the whole reason I I started doing it in college was for the exact same reason. So I totally feel you there. Now, okay, going back real quick, you said classic game room. Mm-hmm. Is that um that's that they don't have like a YouTube series, do they? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's you're probably familiar with Mark. He's the he was sort of the main guy. He's the only yeah. one. Uh, he he's I think his father um, handed off the company to him a couple years ago. But I was on a channel called CGR Undertow that um, was 
sort of like a spinoff that some other people were doing. Um, and so I did video stuff there from uh, like near the beginning of my junior year of high school until um, right before I left for college. So yeah, I, I did probably a couple hundred video reviews and then um, wow. some like walkthroughs of games and stuff. It was, uh, yeah, it was fun. I, uh, that jumped out at me because that, that channel specifically, there's a, there's this really like niche um, kind of like traditional first person dungeon crawler that was reviewed on that channel. It's called, um, oh gosh, uh, the Dark Spire. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one with, uh, like, really, really minimalist graphics. Yes. It's on DS? Yes. It's on DS, yes. Yeah. That, uh, that um, not only did that channel introduce me to the game, but that's actually just how I got introduced to the channel in general. And that was when I watched for probably about a year or two there back in college. So I bet you I've seen some of your some of your work, and I didn't even realize it was you. And we've uh, you, you mentioned you worked at – or you still work at uh, DT – and I kind of still do too, but I was full time there for a few years. So we've known each other for what four years now, and I didn't mm-hmm. even know that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so given our the nature of us, you know, writing about games, talking about games, working with lots of people who are just immersed in games and tech and whatever, um, we obviously are talking about games a lot. And when you and I were going back and forth about what we wanted to talk about today for this episode. Um, you came to me and you were like, hey, let's talk about water cooler moments and uh, in the Souls series, the Soulsborne series. So Dark Souls, Demon Souls, uh, Bloodborne, and I guess kind of Sekiro now. So can you kind of explain what you mean by water cooler moments? Yeah, yeah. So for me, like the best part about playing those games, um, whether it be Bloodborne or Dark Souls, especially I think actually in Sekiro because the experience is, is – a uh, it's more similar for every player than it, than it was in the other ones is once you beat a boss or, or a particularly hard moment, doesn't even have to be a boss and just talking to all your other friends who are playing it and ask, you know, how did you get through that, that section of the game? Did you do something differently than me? Um, and, and those sorts of conversations and figuring out uh, what areas, you know, someone's struggling in versus what areas they, they did something really easily or maybe you struggled is sort of my favorite part of playing through those games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sekiro, you're right. Sekiro is such a good example of it. You know, I, I, I'm unashamed to say that I cheesed many of those bosses mm-hmm. to get through. But the thing is, is that's, you know, just like the stuff we'll talk about today, I feel like cheese is totally just part of that series. So, but so you, is Souls kind of, for you, the, the best example of, you know, the water cooler moment? Or, or I guess we could even call it the playground discussion uh experience with with a game i don't know you know there's there's a lot of types of games that i've talked about with people a lot i'd say um sekiro is the one though where i I immediately just want to find what other people had to say about it um as i was playing that game uh because that was that was the first um that for one thing that was the first uh soulsborne type game that i reviewed so i was playing it before it was out (laughs) Uh, okay, yeah. And uh, and that was an interesting experience because with every other game, I was able to look at guides. Whereas that one, I had to actually just talk to some people who were also reviewing it when I would get stuck at some points. Um, and yeah, I, I'd say that's probably the best the best example of that sort of thing uh, for me, especially because it's always trying to 
trick you just a little bit. There's some elements in all of those games where there's, you know, maybe a spot where someone jumps out at you or, or in Sekiro, there's that, uh, the flying guy coming off of that parachute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that, as soon as something like that happens, I want to reach out to someone who I know is playing it and talk to them about it. Was there any, was there anything that you, I mean, and, and totally feel free to be open with spoilers here. Was there anything that you discovered uh, first, you know, before any of your other, you know, fellow reviewers or friends? Oh man, I don't know. I, I played through that game pretty quickly up until near the end. Um, I don't remember if I, uh, like I was actually, I had to look up strategies for, for a ton of the fights trying to think, I, I guess, um, the fight that happens, uh, in the gun fort against that, I don't, I don't remember what the, it's like the giraffe centipede, whatever. Oh, uh, sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That one, I think I figured, like, I had to figure out how to do that. Um, I don't know if there, if anyone had, had put up a video earlier or not, but figuring out how to do that and then realizing that I had just wasted my time because I was supposed to come back there later after I had gotten the key. Um, that, <laughs> that, that was an experience that I was ready to tell people about. Um, and I had some you know friends on the site and, and elsewhere who got the game at launch who, uh, who were struggling on the same section, couldn't figure out uh, what to do. Man, I should have asked you about that because I did that exact same thing. So actually that boss wasn't too bad. Um, no, once you, re- you figure out the timing, it's fine. Yes. And I also realized that the, um, so you can jump on enemies and that sometimes does, uh, uh, you'll have to remind me is it stamina damage i forget what it's Uh, posture i think it's posture thank you Uh, i found that if you if you jump on him at the right time he does a lot of posture damage so he wasn't too bad but i did the same thing with the key i was just like i'm not i wasn't supposed to go here yet i'm gotta trudge all the way back well i guess it's not that bad you just teleport but still it felt like a felt like a bit of an anticlimactic result yeah, there was that, and then I think right after that, and this I didn't have any knowledge of in advance, is where you see that big snake again, uh, and you try to run across the bridge, and you think it's just there as a sort of a, a thing to scare you, and then the bridge collapses. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, and, and I mean, and obviously the, uh, for me, the the ape, the, the ape resurrecting yes. was, man, that was, I think that was the first thing that I, I, had to tell someone about I, I my my younger brother is a really big souls fan as well and so he and i were spending a lot of time texting and that was i'm pretty sure the only thing i sent to him was dude something really fucking gross just happened and <laughs> it, it also made me really mad like it, i was so angry because the original fight took me forever and then he i felt like hell yeah i just i totally did it and then he gets back up and i was like god damn it yeah, that fight that fight took me I think about four hours from start to finish. I Oof. think I had to do it in a couple sittings. Yeah, that one was tough. Um, yeah, and I and I used up every every flask or whatever gourd seed or whatever they're called to uh, to get to the the end of that first phase, and then you you get hit with that. It's yeah, it's rough. Was there a, was there any other uh, secrets or examples from Sekiro or even from you know other Souls games? Um. I mean, I don't know how much of a secret it is. I, there were a couple of things that I discovered just in terms of, of researching to try to make the boss easier. But there's that drunkard uh, right before the uh, right the butterfly fight. Jizu, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that one, uh, you really have to cheese that fight to make it manageable. I, I like what I had to do was uh, like just kite all of the 
minions around him away and kill them. It took me like 15 minutes to kill all of them. And then just like gradually um, kite him around so that I could get in a hit every now and then, get him down to his second bar. And then you have to sprint back, quickly talk to that guy that's standing there and have him fight uh, with you to fig- to uh, finish him off. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> that's, I don't think how they intended it, but like when the game is, when the games punish you that much for doing any small thing, I don't care at all about cheesing. Dude, yeah, I you know, it's funny that that fight, I saw a lot of people when I first started playing it saying like, oh, there's this one fight and uh, that's the fight when you have to know how to play this game or it will punish you. And I thought that that was the fight that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for most people, what they were actually referring to is the Denichiro fight. Oh, Jesus Christ. That, on. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, that one was it was tough, but I I figured out a cheese for the first phase of that fight that made it. I mean, I didn't beat it. Uh, I, I probably spent a couple hours on him, but it didn't make it as infuriating as I saw it was for some people. But man, that that drunkard fight was a very early test of my patience for that game. But it, you know, I managed to get through. It sounds like you managed to get through as well. And so you reviewed the game, yeah. and you said it was the first one. Had you? And you hadn't reviewed other Dark Souls games in the past, but were you at all involved? Because I remember when the first Dark Souls and well, and Demon Souls too. When those games first hit, you know there was a whole online community and message boards and wikis and stuff. Were you part of any of that? No. The th- the actual interesting thing is, despite like buying the collector's edition of this of, of Sekiro and all that stuff, is I did not like Dark Souls uh, when I first played it. I now part of that might have been the the environment I was in. I had a friend who was really really into those games, and he had me try out. Um, I think it was the I think it was the PC version of Dark Souls one, uh, just in his like dorm room, and I was like, the character creator is fun. I made a, a monster, uh, but then when I tried to actually play the game, I I felt that it was really sort of sluggish and slow, and mm-hmm. so I and I and I what the just the, the setting wasn't doing anything for me, so um, it wasn't until uh, Bloodborne came out. I had a PS4. Um, and I was looking for, you know, I, I guess I'm more likely to play exclusive games for a console to try to justify purchasing the, the machine. So, sure, right. And I thought it was getting great reviews, and uh, and I, I really liked the gothic uh, setting. So yeah, played that game. For the first two or so hours, I hated it. I hated it so much. I was, you know, getting ambushed by all these enemies. I couldn't get the timing of the combat down. I was having a hard time uh, managing stamina. And then after a few hours, I don't even remember the exact point, but something clicked I realized that basically if you play through these sections enough, it, it is like a dance. You, you're memorizing like every single move that you have to make to get from point A to point B. And uh, from then on, it was really, um, it was, it was really sort of a, a love hate, mostly love. With. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I, I played, um, I played Bloodborne. I did not get Dark Souls three when it came out. I don't remember why. I might have just been short on cash. I got it mm-hmm. a few months later. Um, played through that as well. Finished that, uh, and yeah, and then Sekiro. And 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 since uh, like I played a bunch of the other sort of Souls like uh, type right. of games like um, Salt and Sanctuary. Um, I have mixed feelings on that one. Uh, Neo, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I actually really, really like the Surge, the first one. Um, oh yeah, no, it's uh, that's a decent game, absolutely. Yeah, and and, and like the second one seems to like it's going to be addressing a lot of the problems that people had with the the first. But yeah, like that that whole sort of flow of uh, you know 
fight your way through an area, make your way to a bonfire or whatever, or open up a shortcut to get back to an old bonfire. That's really uh, been my thing ever since. And now, I like I said, like I was all over like the Sekiro subreddit when the game was coming out to see people doing stuff. But no, back when uh, when the series um, like was first, like I didn't have PS3, so I couldn't play Demon Souls and, and Dark Souls One. Um, I uh, I didn't. It wasn't on my radar at all. I was playing Skyrim. I was playing portal and stuff like that i was, right, I was yeah. playing a lot of call of duty still at that point so uh yeah um yeah but i i have gone back like i played the remastered one i didn't uh i did an article on that actually and uh yeah i was wrong <laughs> dark souls one still very good okay yeah i was gonna ask but it, how did how did it change yeah i guess i was just more prepared for the the pacing and the structure of the game and that banging your head against a wall was kind of the point um so when there were sections where I was really struggling against a boss, it didn't really feel like it was insurmountable. I mean, the great thing about all of those games, except for Sekiro, is that you know if you're really struggling against a boss, you can bring someone in to help, which I did mm-hmm. for bosses in uh, in Dark Souls Remastered. But yeah, um, I, I, besides that, I don't know exactly what clicked. I I just uh, I guess I was ready for a different type of game. Um, I had been playing uh, a lot more flashy sort of action games back back then and and it's it was different obviously but uh that that feeling of really having to to fight tooth and nail to get you know through a boss or whatever it 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 feels good (laughs) it's very rewarding that was um when i first played demon souls as exactly that i think that was what attracted me to that series i was also a big monster hunter fan so there was Mm -hmm. some similarities there but yeah, that it's it's such a rewarding series. Absolutely. Um, did, have you played Hollow Knight? I don't. I forget. Did you mention that as one of I, the ones? I didn't mention it. I have played it, not the whole thing. I don't know something about that game. I couldn't get into. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess it's just. Um, I don't know exactly. I, I guess like Metroidvanias. I like it when they are at least sort of clear with uh, providing you, you know, the map and the, and the information you need. Right. Uh, and, and with that one, it sort of deliberately sort of obscures some of that or whatever. And, and I, I totally understand why people like that game, but it just wasn't really for me, I guess. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's totally fair. And actually I've heard a lot of those same criticisms uh, elsewhere. And if I'm honest with myself, I, 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 I it's not perfect. And they're like, the map and some of the uh, direction uh, could be clearer, especially considering that, like you said, it is, it's a Metroidvania and those games, while they are known for being backtracky and kind of obtuse, especially like, you know, even just super Metroid um, it, hollow Knight is especially so in some regards, but um, the reason I asked was because not just because it's kind of a souls like in some ways, but because that was a game that I had a lot of, you'd say water cooler or, playground uh, information share type experiences with. So I was curious if you had that there too. What, so how about like, <clears throat> I mean, outside of souls games, I, like for me back in, uh, in uh, grade school, it was all about Pokemon Zelda and final fantasy was like, we were all sharing stuff back and forth about those games. Is there anything else like that? Like whether it's from your childhood or even recently that you had that with? Yeah, I uh <laughs> some of them were me just being stupid, I guess, but the when Halo 3 came out, everyone was talking about that. I was uh let's see, like 13 when that game came out, and I remember um 
the big uh, sort of sad moment at the end where Master Chief supposedly dies. I must have hit A or something. I skipped the final cutscene where he's still alive. <laughs> so I was like, this is some gut-wrenching shit. And then I went to school the next day, and I'm talking to them at lunch. And they're like, no, like he's still alive. They show it afterwards. And I'm like, well, that's not nearly as cool. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was one. Um, I remember – Splinter Cell Double Agent. I was playing that with people, and I think I even had a guide for that game. But I was still struggling to get through some of that stuff. So, so I was talking over with one person, and we'd even, uh, you know, do do the Xbox Live chat to to try, uh, sort of help our each other through the tough sections. Right. Those are probably the main ones. Um, yeah, Pokemon as well. I remember that's how I learned about like missing number and uh, yeah. how to get Rayquaza from uh, from that big tower in uh, Gen Three. So, yeah, um, those are probably the, the, the biggest ones. The only other game I can think of that I really talked about with someone like that much um, was Fire Emblem. I had a neighbor who uh, – he and I were playing through Fire Emblem Sacred Stones together, and he was way better at that game than me. And we, we <laughs> like – yeah, we, we played that game constantly. Uh, I remember his, his mom had to go to, like, the department store or, some, or Target or something one day, and we, like, both had our Game Boy Advances with us because we couldn't stop playing that. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's um, – I mean, I, I think Pokemon is one for a lot of people. Actually, other other people, <clears throat> other guests have specifically mentioned, like, you know, sharing secrets for, like you said, Gen 3 or, or Red Version or whatever they happen to have on the mm-hmm. playground as kind of a, an important – uh, gaming experience for for them uh and and which kind of leads me into maybe like kind of the big question i'm interested in in exploring here for for a bit is do you think that these sorts of experiences where you're discovering something and sharing them with someone um you know kind of organically without having heard about it on youtube or seen a headline about it or anything like that do you think that that is those kinds of communal aspects of these games are are part of the games themselves or or maybe slightly separate does that make sense like do you, like yeah um like hmm. basically i guess the question i guess i could frame the question a little bit better and say like do you think that without these experiences would these games be lesser without them yeah i mean i guess developers have to understand that they don't exist in a vacuum at this point when they're creating those sorts of things and yeah in the case of the soul series specifically i I definitely think it would be a a lot less fun if you didn't have people to talk to uh after you beat something um or you know or couldn't watch someone else try to do that thing even like youtube and twitch have really uh i think enhanced the the genre um there's a there's a channel i like it's uh sane s-a-n-e and then tbd uh, on YouTube, and he or she, I actually don't know, edits together um, compilations, basically, of Twitch streamers reacting to, like, a certain moment in a game. Mm-hmm. So they had a whole video on just people watching the ape get back up after its head got chopped off. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. And stuff like that. And so, like, those sorts of reactions, and you watching a video like that, knowing what happens and seeing people do it for the first time, I think really does make it better. Um I, I guess I have an issue with um, it being taken deeper with that, with games that want to, like, make Twitch um, interactivity, like, a part of the experience. Uh, 
sometimes shoehorning it in. I mean, there's some examples where it really works well, like Jackbox and that sort of thing. But right, um, yeah. yeah, I think when it's left to, you know, just talking about the games and being able to see people do the same thing that you try to do, it really does make it more fun. Right, exactly. And, you know, uh, the other question, I guess, uh, as we as we head towards kind of the, the last the last part of the show, do you think information sharing this discovering uh, with with the community of people, do you think they're going to get better or worse uh, as as things go on? I mean, obviously, we can't tell the future of how, you know, maybe social media will completely collapse and we'll never have online communication like that ever again or, you know, ubiquitous, large uh, uh, you know, reach for YouTubers or something like that. Um, but do you think like based on th- how things are now, do you think that those kinds of experiences have a, have a lifespan? It's tough to say for sure. I think that they probably got a little bit worse as Twitch gained popularity and people were streaming the games for everyone to see, like from the very beginning, because right. there wasn't that buffer time of like, you just have to try to figure it out and talk with other people and, and piece the bits together. Um, what I guess concerns me is as we get into services like Google Stadia specifically that has those share play features on where you might be able to skip or, or just jump into like the exact moment where someone is in a game uh, that real I think in the something like this, um, uh, a very sort of unique to you single player experience that that will sort of sully it, and uh, I, I would hate to see that happen. I'm also pretty confident that the people interested in games like Dark Souls are probably not going to be playing them on a service like that. But oh, sure. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a small little subset of people who will, and and I, I think that's just not the way you want to play that game. No, I totally agree, and that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Like that, there is. I mean, I have a bunch of reservations about some of the stuff that Stadia is doing. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's all out terrible, but obviously there's a lot of skepticism, but I haven't, I had never considered the, that what you just brought up about, you know, being able to share gameplay and, and kind of like, gosh, I don't want to sound like that meme, but, but. Uh, cheat, <laughs> I know what you're about out of, cheat yourself out of out of certain aspects of of that discoverability maybe not you know maybe if you have to beat a boss with the help of someone else no big deal but you know if you know where all the secrets are like is there much to explore like that's yeah, like at least try it yourself first i think it's sure a, yeah exactly i i totally yeah. agree um yeah and, and and then we have games like monster hunter world who uh you know they're was a thriving wiki community for that series for years and years and years. And then they started putting all that Wikipedia information in the game and uh, itself. And, and for better or for worse, uh, certainly I don't have to use uh, wikis or guides as much anymore, but at the same time, there was something kind of fun about contributing to that stuff. So, you know, all that stuff kind of comes and goes. And I feel like Sekiro did that a little bit where it's like, well, we're just going to put this information in the game and hey, now you know how to play it. You don't have to go on your phone. And there's that's a positive, but also like that's part of the game or it was part of the games for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. There's a YouTube channel I really like that he he barely ever posts anymore. It's um was it? it's called B3Z now. It used to be called Gaming with Character. And he made a video um on Dark Souls comparing Dark Souls three to Dark Souls Two. And uh he was like, you know, feigning um, anger that they spelled out these stat names for you in Dark Souls 3 <laughs> compared to 
too. Okay. Um, but then in three, even like they had that one stat. I think it was was it poise. Yeah. Um, that like no one knew what it did, and they just wouldn't tell you. And that's like that's that's fucking stupid. And like I, if you're if you're asking people to feed like their points into something and they don't know what it does, like I I I kind of <laughs> draw the line there. And I feel like maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like the messaging around it changed from the developer. Like they were saying it did one thing and then it ended up not doing that at all. And it may have been even changed in a patch because they're like, Oh, actually the thing we said it did, it didn't do that. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like there is something along those lines. And there are some situations where I think uh, fibbing to the player is actually really cool. Uh, Did you, um, I don't. I don't want to spoil this. If someone was watching it, knowing the Dark Souls details, and they didn't know the details about this other game, uh, but I'll 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 keep it vague, I guess. But uh, Hellblade, if, have you, have you played that? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, yeah, I won't I won't tell. But there's um there's a really nice twist that people don't even realize. I think until after they've finished the game. Oh, interesting. And uh, yeah, and it, it's a twist that I I reviewed that game. And I emailed the PR people for it, and they would not give me a straight answer either. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, like, it, they wanted to keep this thing that that locked down. And it was, like, infuriating when trying to write a thing, you know, a, a piece with factual information in it. But th- at the same time, um, a brilliant u- use of sort of flipping gaming conventions on their heads. Uh, and something that I, I hope more games are willing to, to do, at least in some capacity. Okay, well, that you know that I, I would I've always thought it looked neat and was very curious about it. Heard a lot of interesting things about it, but that's the first thing where I've been like, okay, I guess there's something here I need to see for myself. So definitely piqued my interest there. Uh, so you know, while you're playing these games, discovering these secrets, where can people find your thoughts on them? Yeah, so uh, my Twitter account, as long as it's not under embargo when I'm talking like uh, <laughs> right. talking about the stuff uh, at Gaming Angel Gabe, you can find my thoughts there. Um, in terms of just general gaming writing, uh, most of that is on digital trends. I also do uh, VR stuff, so you can find that on Upload VR and VR Fitness Insider. Uh, actually, we just got a quest a couple hours ago, um, so I'm going to be messing around with that as well. Oh, nice. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, those are the main ones. Uh, every once in a while, I'll pop on something else, but yeah. Awesome. Well, Gabe, this was a great conversation. I'm really glad we got to uh, meet up and chat. Uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks again to Gabe Gerwin for coming on the show this week. If you'd like to hear the full interview with me and Gabe, head over to patreon.com PNB. And if you'd be so kind as to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, That would mean a lot and really help the show out. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Taking us out this week is the final boss theme from Dark Souls 3. I feel like it's an appropriate uh, end to today's discussion. Uh, We will see you guys back here in just a few weeks. Bye for now.